Sometimes it's just a sentence, one thing that's said energetically that I, that perhaps carries some vibration of love in it that drops me from my mind into my heart. That's often what I look for in the mornings when I meditate. And that meditation in the morning takes the form of just listening to inquiry about the truth. And at the end of these meetings, maybe it's the hugs that are exchanged or it's what one person says that dissolves my mind. I wait for those moments, not waiting for them, but knowing that there is a time that will come where I will get what I need, where what is meant to happen will be. Because my heart is in the right place and I seek freedom from the chains of the mind because I know that it's not in line with truth and the reason that we're here. I was watching a classical Indian dance video yesterday on YouTube. Several of them. I learned that there are eight types of classical Indian dances from India and I'm assuming that these are the most popular and that there are probably more. One of the comments that I read on a video said something about how dance is one of the highest or if not the highest offering to God in the Hindu religion. And today I thought to myself, they've got it right. The Hindu religion has this right because it's not only dance that is an offering to the gods it's prayer it's food it's cleanliness probably and so many other things I that I don't even know about but just a few that I've come to learn of and have experienced through even various people. I have a soul sister who doesn't practice any religion, or at least that I know of. But a few years ago, she said something to me. She said, 
everything is meditation. Speaking is meditation. And she went on to say a few different things maybe, but I probably stopped paying attention because her art of communication is definitely something I could probably have recognized at that moment as as meditation up and up and for all the time that I had known her until then when she said that speaking is a form of meditation I I got to know that something so beautiful about her was something that was an offering and was a a practice of of love and devotion. It's strange how people are certain ways and then you um, then you discover that they are those ways intentionally and that there is meaning and thought and intention behind the exact ways that they are that you just maybe think is so beautiful and then maybe you discover that one day somehow it comes out in in conversation or in your relationship with them not even them directly talking about themselves but just somehow it comes out that a very act is something with intention behind it and then you realize that those words come from the being who lives them and knows them Everything is an offering. Everything is an offering. Because everything is an expression of consciousness and the divine ultimately. And so we choose how we speak. And really, the intention really comes from the place that we speak from. Very often, and maybe always, we don't even know that we have a choice until we become conscious, until it is revealed to us the way in which we have the choice and many times blindly we speak we pray we dance we worship we eat we walk we move we fly even through the mind 
just in the experience of the mind. Not something deeper. Not anything deeper. It's the greatest facade. And as someone who has lived this way and has expressed so much through the mind, not just the everyday things, but even these beautiful offerings of art, such as dance and music. For much of my life, these were experiences of the mind. And there were moments and sparks at times that were divine. But mostly, these expressions of art were experiences that I had in the mind. But I do remember moments where something else took over. Where my body took over on the stage. And I spun or swirled and twirled and and my arms, I didn't have control over them. And when I would sing, I don't really know where it would come from. But it wasn't as deep and as present as it is today. So much has changed. And I'm grateful to have my mind revealed to me to wake up into its seeing. Because that contrast is actually what has allowed me to get deeper and grow deeper in time. This loosening from the mind and release of it is what allows me my body to experience the divine when it dances. There's no thought involved. There's no care or conditioning of what another being would think. When I sing, the best of my music comes from no thought. It comes from a willingness to allow and, and to be. When I draw, I've realized that 
can't copy. That I have to let my mind free. That I left to have to let my hand free and not pay attention to the mind. The mind is just full of ideas of how something should or shouldn't be. It has no originality. It has no newness. It's quite dull and old and lost in history. It's not here in this moment. Yesterday when I watched all these different types of North uh, Indian and South Indian classical dance variations on YouTube, some of the styles I'd been brought up to think of as strange or um, not as good as the one that I was trained in. And as I watched all the different types of dances that originated in India, I just found so much love and, and devotion in each. And I realized that everything is an offering. Everything is an expression. Every expression is beautiful. Not because of how it looks or what it appears like, but because it is its own expression. An expression itself is divine. I watched so much of my judgment fade. It's all gone. The things I thought growing up. They fade away so easily. Now. I have such an appreciation for what I see because I don't see with my eyes. I watched a really cute video of little toddlers learning Vartnatyam and um it just made me smile so much because they were so adorable. And what's so beautiful is that these children and, and all of the adolescents and all of the adults that I watched dance They were connected to something else when they were dancing. They were connected to something. And I even thought about these teachers and masters and people who have been practicing 
their art for many years have connected to something divine in whatever expression they have practiced in whatever variation of dance coming from whichever region they all have connected to the outer worldly in their art how beautiful that is that we all connect to the same truth in infinite ways there are many paths and they all lead to the same place they all lead to the same place I thought about how everything is an offering how my speech is an offering how my interactions with the parents of my students is an offering to God as well. And I hope to get deeper and deeper into that offering and to have it become more of an offering and maybe I shouldn't even perceive it that way because anything that comes from us is already an offering. Would it be wrong to ask for it to be purified? I don't think so. I think I would love for all of my speech to be rid of ego, to be rid of any personhood that still remains. Today I had an experience with one of my students whose mother had told him or mentioned to him that his current one-on-one class with me was going to end and the student in the last four classes since then mentions each time in class is this going to be our last class? And I realized that a a child at his age, at four years old, is unable to comprehend something that he loves so much ending. And I remember speaking to his mom when she initially tried to mention something at the beginning of one of our classes, several classes ago, saying, um telling him to come to the screen and sort of trying to tell him that our class was going to end and I told her you know we can talk about that later and um you know I'll I'll speak to him about it um but I I don't know if it was from that instance or she may have told something to him at home but in each class since then it's been 
maybe about a handful or less. He's mentioned something about it and he seems worried. And in the last several classes, although he's mentioned it, I haven't thought of telling his mom anything. Um, but today, after the class ended and he mentioned it again and it seemed like he was in a um he felt like he had to end the class as well and i'm not sure if she conveyed something to him about that about ending the class on time because um sometimes i think parents feel like um like they they should try to um do right by the teacher and and teach their child um, to kind of write, do right by the teacher and say goodbye when it's time to good, say goodbye and not play or interact further. But I spoke to the, uh, I decided to say something to the mom today and I, and I did it because, well, uh, I hadn't, in the last few times, but today I just kind of, kind of did it, and um, and I don't know if if my if there was any personhood in there, or maybe I overthink it and think that there is, and maybe I don't need to overthink it. But the point that I make is that. everything is already an offering that when we think it isn't an offering because we are something in us thinks that it could have been better it itself is already an offering and sometimes the way in which it comes out is is just what happens at that time and is also what is needed at that time by maybe even the other person as well and so while I've had this these opposing views that that you should oil yourself up and take care of yourself before you engage with others and the world which always seemed like a good idea I think sometimes it also happens where we are not fully oiled up and we communicate with each other and maybe it isn't, maybe it doesn't feel as good to us as, as it would have or as another experience where we were fully oiled and we presented ourselves and made the offering. Maybe then it was, maybe then we knew more that it was an offering. Maybe it felt like more in line with our truth. Or maybe it didn't feel like anything at all. Maybe there was no mind involved. And at other times it seems like there is more mind involved. 
there is mind involved. I don't really know which one has an answer. I think if anything I've learned in this journey of deepening in truth I think I've learned that all exists in the realm of consciousness even the person that we witness inside us the one whose identity we often take the shape to be Even that is allowed because that's the play of consciousness. It's when we harp on that and get disappointed in that, that then we actually feed our mental activity and our mind gets to say, yes, I got him, I got her. These things happen in the natural flow of life. Personhood happens, ego happens, being swept away by identity happens. It always happens. And that's quite all right. In time, when you are on this path you will be able to notice these things and their subtleties gradually yet more and more and then life just kind of plays out it plays itself out and on this path on this journey you just keep going and you let life do its thing and you notice and you observe the storms of the mind and even the subtle times where it gets swept away it sweeps you away sweeps your attention away and then a moment after you realize that that just happened. The contrast is also necessary. And it is the fruit that allows us to discern. How would we know no mind from mind if we didn't experience mind? How would we know the divine from ego if we didn't experience ego, if we didn't experience person and identity. This contrast is fundamental and it plays out over a lifetime. But there will come a time when you are on this path that it stops oscillating. that gradually it, the 
identity fades and fades and fades away and who knows if there's still some remnant of it there always I don't know if there ever comes a day I won't even be able to say or share that with you because that will come out of ego maybe But it's okay even if the the ego plays. Let it play. Let it sweep you away. Let it knock you unconscious sometimes on your face. Because the awareness will recognize that. The awareness will still see that. You will notice that. And you'll be like, oh, it, it just happened, or that happened again, or, oh, and then you move on to back with your attention on the awareness. Our person plays, and it plays out until it fades away, until it gradually, gradually fades And that's all okay. Many people ask when they have experienced the state of the pure self, which is the state of no mind. Maybe it's a moment, maybe it's a day, maybe it's two days or more. But then it leaves them they think but even this is something they perceive but without knowing they they ask how do i stay here or they believe that it's gone the peace is gone well where did it go it hasn't gone but your attention from it has gone maybe in this way we recognize that it is only our attention that shifts from this pure awareness to the mind and thought But that which shifts is always there. The thing that is able to shift attention, that awareness is always here. It goes nowhere. And even when you are swept away by personhood, by identity, there's even something that observes that even if it's for a few moments or a few minutes of a storm, there's still some awareness that that is happening or that is what's happened. Yes, there is 
an awareness that that is actually happening when it is happening. Even though your attention is swept away in that identity, there's still awareness that that is happening. And so, whenever that is, is done playing out, and our attention returns to the awareness, to a higher state, not of the mind, then we are able to recognize and confirm what just happened and notice and observe and move on. The trick, I think, is not to spend too long there. Because if you feel disappointed about your personhood, then that state gets fed and gains more power. Your mind gains more power when you feel disappointed or when you harp on the moments in which your attention shifted to your person. So what to do? Notice just enough to be aware of what happened and then move on. And you return your attention back to the awareness I think for a long time and even in recent years, I struggled a lot with unwanted thoughts and also paying attention. This one, this one was a really big one for me because a few years ago when I had an awakening, and was able to see my mind in a way that I hadn't before. I realized that, well, there was, I was able to see a lot of thoughts that I was having that I felt distracted by, even before maybe, but I wasn't able to see those thoughts before, and that begs the question, well, did those thoughts exist before and I couldn't just see them when I was distracted before what was distracting me did those thoughts exist even even though I couldn't see them well I would think yes or no I don't know but to be distracted means that your attention goes somewhere so Internally, it must be going some, somewhere to some thought, even though you maybe don't, are not fully recognizing the thought that it is going to. And my experience is interesting because I, my attention would be gone for maybe 20 minutes at a time. 
and I have no trace of of what I was thinking of. I would have no trace. When I would come back into the present moment, I had no idea what I was thinking about I, or where the time went. Um, there was maybe like once that I remember in high school where I was sitting in my chemistry class and I came back into the present moment and it was near the end of the class and that's when I recognized that I was thinking about what was going on at home with my mother. But um, I think that's the only time that I remember what I was thinking about when I was distracted. This was before three years ago when I had an awakening. And three years ago when that happened, I could then start to see when I would watch a video or when I would exercise, I could see where my thoughts were going when I would be distracted. And um, what a joy, what a joy it's been um, to be able to see I've asked for this and nothing else. But one of the things that happened at the um, beginning of my awakening that was a, a struggle for me was that when I would notice that I had lost my attention, because now I just, you know, discovered that, you know, I could see where my thoughts were going and I guess I cared a lot more about, um, not being able to pay attention. I don't know. I was just hard on myself in a in a whole barrage of ways that I had never been. Just um, just really uh, harsh with myself. And um, and I think that also came from a place because my my relationship and my attachment. Uh, my relationship was gone, but my attachment was still there. And I think my attachment to my relationship, my attachment to other, and my desperate cling and um, void that was clinging was then coming out in on onto myself in, in very harsh ways. Like, why couldn't I be better? And it's funny because in my life, I never heard that voice in myself. It was just um, on the surface level or whatever I, I did hear, could experience was... was sounded like it was compassionate, it just sounded like self-compassion. The things that I said to myself. But when that attachment was in question and being threatened, then that which was holding and clinging was not nice at all. And, um, and so I would beat myself up a lot. 
a tremendous amount. And um, somehow, some way after months and even years, it took maybe two years or something, some, maybe somewhere in between there, I may have even realized this as well, that, that my harshness was actually perpetuating it. That was a, a journey of unfolding that was, um, it seemed like it took a while to understand that. But because of the attachment, it was difficult to see that. And I would be on myself when I would lose my attention. Like, why can't you just pay attention? And I realized that that voice is, is the worst thing. It doesn't help at all. It doesn't help anybody at all. And I would never talk to anyone I love this way. Who, why was I talking to myself this way? And I realized now that that was just my my person or my ego or something that had been triggered um, by this whole situation by life and um, now I was hearing in a in a different way than before this ruminating sort of um, like our mistakes like you know why couldn't I pay attention it actually it actually made it worse because I was then lost in that further before returning my attention to whatever I was doing before returning my attention to the video or the task at hand whereas I could have just observed that that's what happened and then return and I think maybe all my life up until then I did because it was just like oh my attention went and now it's back and it's just it just seemed normal but now I was hard on myself in a in a different way and I think that harshness um, perpetuated these things but that harshness also allowed me to have this conversation today and this understanding today that the harshness actually doesn't work and is is the thing that actually feeds the problem or so that we perceive and I discovered this a little bit more because this morning or yesterday morning either one of these days I was watching a Muji video and certain times in the video my attention will be distracted and I will rewind the video to a place where I am familiar with what is being said. I remember. Because that's how I know 
where I should rewind it to. Certain times that I've done this, however, it's difficult for me to get back into what I'm watching or listening to. And there have been times where I've done this where I just, I just remain lost. And so, like I'm distracted, I rewind it, I play it again, distract it again, rewind it again, distract it again, rewind it again, and then I'm just like, I think, I think by then I just learned to let it go. And this morning when I was listening, I think I could find a better balance between letting it play and in certain moments my attention being distracted and I know that I'll tune back in and sometimes I rewind it and sometimes I just let it go. Everything has a sort of balance to it and a harmony that I realize um, only my my mind can get in the way of and my mind in this case not being my attention that is distracted but my mind that is that is somehow wanting some outcome or looking for something or wanting to have a certain experience or wanting to pay attention and I realized that I never pay attention because I when I really want to pay attention I don't I can't pay attention it just happens, it just has to happen naturally. And I've realized this when I'm on the phone or in class that I can't actually really want to pay attention because it has the opposite effect. Because if I, if I really hone in to the words that somebody is saying, then I can't actually listen to them. I hear maybe that one word or I'm, I'm because I'm paying attention to something different maybe i'm paying attention to like that i'm concentrating too hard almost and that concentration actually backfires and so i've noticed that sometimes it suits me to be moving my body while listening to something or somebody other times it suits me to sit still and that's just depends on the moment and the activity and how I feel really but more and more there's a sort of intuitive guide something that guides me from within that that tells me to get up and move my body while I listen to this or talk to somebody or if I'm watching a, a video maybe just to sit still at that moment And then in the next moment, without even thinking, I get up and start doing something or transitioning. More and more, I get to develop this intuitive intelligence. Just let my being do its thing. And I think a lot of that, a lot of just, you know, relaxing into and and resting in our being is really what helps me. Because the mind continues to to play, and it will for some time, and 
Maybe attention will be distracted and identity will sweep you away. And that's, and that's all okay. You know, you notice it and then you move on. You don't always have to rewind. Actually, when we are fully present in this moment, then we just tune in to this moment. And I don't know if that means that when I tune back into watching a video that I'll just be present for that moment fully in the video and I won't want to rewind it. Seems like sometimes I, you know, hear the person in the video saying something and I think, well, you know, what happened just before this? Why are they saying that? And and then I rewind the video to find out. And other times I just gracefully walk back in. I think everything is allowed in the play of life. Everything exists and everything will happen and life is just kind of about allowing all of it. You know, when your attention becomes distracted, allow it. You will notice it and you will your attention will return back to the awareness that noticed it. When you become swept away by your personal identity, by your personhood, it will happen. And when you recognize that it happened, notice it and move on. Return back to the awareness. I want to say that we are human. Well, because we have this human mind and that's what happens with the human mind. It plays out in these ways and all of it is okay. All of it is okay. When I see somebody now and when I think about someone's behavior and maybe they were swept away by identity at that at that point I don't see them I don't fault them I just see that as the mind that's a play of the divine It's just personal. And I don't feel a need to revisit that that past with them because I know it's just their mind. I know it's just mind. When I see beliefs in, in people And they strongly believe in something the way I have. I recognize it as just the mind. It's not truth for me. I don't believe in my own thoughts. I don't believe in my own beliefs. I don't have any. They've all dropped. 
just recognize that this is the human mind. When I, when I see it, I recognize it in people because I recognize it in myself. These are all just plays of consciousness and infinite expressions of consciousness. Like these are all just things that occur in the emptiness. None of them are the emptiness, none of them are the ultimate truth of what we are, who we are, the isness of life. They are not that. So they don't matter very much. They're just personhood. And I'm less and less interested in personhood. Only unconsciously in those moments that I still get swept away. Even just so, just, um, I think the more that you find this truth, stay in this truth and stabilize in this truth, the less and less you are interested in personal identity and matters of personal identity and things that concern the mind. Because in this emptiness, there is, this, this emptiness takes care of everything. The body moves on its own without the mind. So what do I need the mind for? I don't. Even the things that I think I need it for, I don't. But till it plays and even after, I'll never be disappointed in it. I'll never say, oh, come on, man, you could have done better. That's also my mind. That's from my mind. And I don't feed it. I've got no food for you. I think I've been hand feeding my mind my whole life. Feeding it with my own hands. So perfectly my whole life. Making sure that the food doesn't go above the second line on my fingers giving it the perfect bite at the perfect time. I have no more food left for you, mind. I refuse to feed you. You need my food, but I don't need yours. I have no interest in feeding you.
all is well. All is well. Thank you. I love you. I'll see you.